Hello friends and welcome to Dub Talks Summer at the Movies Season 2. Well, this episode is going up the week of my birthday, so this is one I've wanted to cover for a long, long time. This is a film I've wanted to see ever since I heard it got announced. I was super excited to get a chance to see it stateside, well in the theaters anyway, and even more so that it finally has an English dub. Today, me and my good pal here, Spaceman Hardy. Say hi, Spaceman Hardy. Hello. Today, we're going to cover a special little movie from Yoshitoki... Oh, no. Damn it. Gotta get the name right. Yoshitoki Oima, Naoka Yamada, and Kyoto Animation. We bring you the dub talk for a silent voice. So, uh, let me give you a quick synopsis uh, for this film. As a wild youth, elementary school student Shoya Ishida sought to beat boredom in the cruelest ways. When the deaf Shoko Nishimiya transfers into class, Shoya and the rest of the class thoughtlessly bully her for fun. However, when her mother notifies the school, he is singled out and blamed for everything done to her. With Shoko transferring out of the school, Shoya is left at the mercy of his classmates. Heartlessly, he is ostracized all throughout elementary and middle schools, while his teachers turn a blind eye. Now in his third year of high school, Shoya is still plagued by his wrongdoings as a young boy. Sincerely regretting his past, he sets out on a journey of redemption to meet Shoko once and make amends. So, if... You could not tell from tonight's synopsis. We're going into some very touchy subject material. Oh, very much so. Pretty much everyone in this movie has some sort of serious uh, condition, and uh, it does not pull its punches, not one bit. Sometimes you even get to see kids punch each other. Oh, several times, in fact. Several times, in fact. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. This, Let, let's go a little bit into our, just for the sake of viewers, let's go into a little bit of our history with this particular film. Hardy, let's start with you. Okay. What is your history to A Silent Voice, whether you know the material or you've seen it like once? I have actually seen this movie twice and both times in theaters. Uh, the first time was it came subtitled. And when it was first announced, Memphis, believe it or not, a city that usually gets passed over for anime films, Memphis was for once the only theater within a 150 mile area. We were literally the only place in the entire tri-state area to actually get a screening of this film. What? Now, I'm not joking. Now, uh, screenings would be added to other areas later on, but for the longest time, Memphis just was uh, kind of lucked out. I don't understand it. I understand it about as much as you do. Be honest. That's impressive, but mm-hmm. that just means they really wanted you to see this movie. They did. They did. And uh, they wanted me to see it so badly that when the dub came out, they brought it back to Memphis. And this time they aired it for an entire week at the at the mall theater, which 
We never get anime movies at the mall. Ever. How and did so you get so lucky with your screenings? I had I to go I had to go to the city for mine. I don't even know. It's just it just conveniently happened this way. So yeah. I was um I have not read the manga, so I'm not very very well versed with it, but I've seen this movie a few times, so it has been a while, so my memory may be fuzzy at times. But uh, but yeah, I sort of got lucky with this one. So, well, whenever you get fuzzy, believe me, I just finished watching this again with a friend of mine recently, and it still holds up. Um, as for my uh, particular past with this film, I have read the manga. I I'm just pointing that out there. I've read this manga. Uh, back when it was on uh, Crunchyroll's manga app, uh, they had a partnership with Kodansha where they were streaming a bunch of their uh, manga, and I spent a single night reading all of it. Wow, you marathoned it in a night? I marathoned it in a night. I'm thinking, I should probably stop now. I should probably stop now. I, I could not stop. It's... This was a story that was gripping in a way I kind of was unexpecting. It it goes to a lot of different subject matters in regards to, like, school bullying, in regards to how disability is viewed in Japanese society, how kids deal with it, as well as a lot of things with, with uh, dis- depression and... It's it's something that really stuck out to me a lot when I read it. And the movie is beautiful. It's fantastic. Let me just say this right now for a remainder. I have read the manga, yes. I am not going to, well, the manga did this better, duper duper duper. Like, you're not going to get any of that from me. Like, none at all. This does things... That manga and the the medium of manga just simply is incapable of in regards to the visuals and the sound design. A lot of the sound design is so goddamn good. And I feel going into some of the behind-the-scenes stuff of this movie is a perfect segue to discuss the people behind the dub of this film. And those would be the ADR directors and writers of this English adaptation. And starting off, our lead director for this project is none other than Stephanie Shea. Stephanie Shea has worked on such films as Patima. I don't know if it's Patima or Patima inverted. Oh, but Patema. Patema. Patema Inverted, My My Miracle, Welcome to the Space Show, and Your Name. Mm. Uh, assistant director on this project is uh, her other co-director at NYAV Post, Michael Center Nicholas, who has worked on such films as Berserk, the entire Golden Age trilogy, A Letter to Momo, Mobile Suit Gundam, The Origin, and Your Name. Doing double duty for both an assistant director position. Ooh, 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 I finally get to talk about this person. Yay. Oh, yeah, I forgot. 
this is a favorite of Hardy's who he's been waiting for a chance to get to talk about her. Oh, uh, yes. Doing double duty as both the assistant ADR director and one of the two writers for this film is Amanda Winley. Mm-hmm. Amanda Winley has directed such things as Dead Leaves, The Fire Emblem OVA, Gunsmith Cats, two Neon Genesis Evangelion movies, Death and Rebirth, and The End of Evangelion. That's a big deal. Those are pretty big deals. I was very surprised to discover those. Mm-hmm. And she's also written for such things as Blue Speed and Burn Up Excess, as well as also writing for her other directorial projects, Dead Leaves and the Evangelion movies I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, our other writer for this film is Clark Chang, who has written for such projects as Cardcaptor Sakura Movie 2, The Sealed Car. Ah, that was a burp. Let me start that again. <laughs> the Sealed Car? The Sealed Car, yes. That yes. car is not going out of storage anytime soon. You lost your keyless entry remote. Uh, if only they could make those keys a little clearer to understand. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, he wrote uh, Cardcaptors, the clear, the, the clear car. I'm not going to be able to say this movie. Card. The, he wrote the second Cardcaptor movie, a dub script. He also wrote Expelled from Paradise, Lupin the Third, Jigen's Gravestone, as well as My My Miracle. So, Hardy, the direction mm -hmm. and the writing. What did you think, sir? I thought they were phenomenal. And um, uh, we seem to mention this every time that this group of directors works on a movie is that they know their stuff. Everything sounds really great. And what I appreciate, especially about this cast is it uses a lot of relative unknowns and fairly new actors. And, and you can't even tell that it's, you can't even tell that they're not seasoned pros. Everyone hits their mark. Uh, it never misses a beat. And uh, it just, like every other NYAV directed movie that we've heard, such as Your Name or Letter to Momo and whatnot, they all sound really good. And so you can definitely tell that Stephanie and Center Nicholas have uh, a lot of experience and a lot of uh, chops behind them. And, uh, and Amanda's writing and additional directing most definitely adds to it. I'm so glad I get to talk about Amanda Winley, even though she doesn't star in this movie, even though she's not an actress, um, she is still involved at some point because she has been a favorite of mine for years now. Um, and yeah, it's just the writing, especially there are so many moments in this film to where it's just gut wrenching where I, I was able to relate so much to the script and uh, it, it just, there were some jokes that really, or not jokes, but quotes that, uh, that didn't really kind of got lost in translation. I think the scene where um, Shoko is trying to confess to Shoya her feelings for him um in the Japanese, it's a pun regarding the moon. And they kind of did a literal translation for 
the English dub. In Japanese, she says Suki, which means the moon, which could also mean I like you. And he mistakes it, and that's that. Um, in the English, they sort of kept it the same, where she sort of screams out, she tries to scream out, I love you, and he says he mistakes it for uh, the moon. And it doesn't really have the same effect as in the Japanese, but those instances are very few and far between. Otherwise, the script is very faithful, and it doesn't take a whole lot of liberties, and just the writing is like a punch to the gut at times. It really, really is impressive. So, yeah, I think kudos all around. I think the entire thing with the script is that even if, whether it was literal or loose... What really needed to sell us on these lines is how they are delivered. Because, god damn, some of the, just, I, this is a very interesting cast, as you mentioned. It's got a lot of people who are from California. It's got a lot of people from New York. It's a nice little thing about NYAB Post is that, they do a little mix of both coasts, and it's really interesting. Like, some people, where it's like, I hear them in California dubs regularly. Mm -hmm. uh, some are from New York. There's one in particular where it's like, you could really tell they had fun with a lot of the... There's so mm. many, like, New York mannerisms when Nagatsuka is talking sometimes that you could tell, you know what, we could get away with this. This works, and it works so well for that character. It's great. I'll get more into that when we, when we discuss him. But mm -hmm. it, 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 it's it really fun with that. But God, yeah. some of these actors, like, also, they have child actor. The bold decision of getting child actors to play some pretty powerful, poignant stuff in the beginning of the movie is bold material. I also like the fact that. They don't shy away from the kids swearing because I can kind of see, like, punk kids actually having this level of, like, vulgarity sometimes when they're flustered or, like, they're trying to be a punk like Shoya yeah. is. And I thought that was a neat detail. Yeah, and... they established pretty early in the movie that Shoya and his circle of friends are kind of rambunctious little um, rapscallions and... Well, I mean, what, after all, I mean, they start out the movie with uh, My Generation by The Who, so... Man, that is such a... Such a cool opening sequence, and, like... I could tell that decision was very much like, this is a song that works for this scene and could basically reach audiences worldwide. It's like, that's a bold choice. I'm also kind of convinced that that's probably the reason we yeah. got in the Blu-ray yet. <laughs> right. So I still have mixed feelings yeah. on it. Good song, though. Good yeah. scene. But yeah. Roger Daltrey, if you're listening to this, we would really like the movie to come out, please. 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 Okay. Uh, but yeah, no. The script for the kids' writing is really interesting. And just some of the various things that... God, that Shoya and Shoko just say, kill me. But it can also be genuinely funny. And 
every single performance in this movie, yeah. stellar. Right. There is... I don't think there's anybody in this movie I would call weak. Right. Nobody in this movie I would call weak. And the, the way that some of these characters express themselves... And... You know what? The elephant in the room... The sign language? The 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 subject of sign language and as well as a certain certain actress, which I'll mention that later, but Stephanie Shea put a lot of work into these performances, into these casts, into this dub, as well as the writing team itself. This is not going to be a very critical episode tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just get that out of the way right there. This is stupendous it's good it's so 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 good mm -hmm. and thank you everybody who mm -hmm. made this come to life do we really even need to say anything we could probably close the episode right now no 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 okay no <laughs> look we're going to praise this dub i got a lot to say on this and i've wrote, written like three pages of notes spaceman hardy <laughs> i'm gonna say what i gotta say all right <laughs> Uh, uh. Now, speaking of things, I have a lot to say. See, these are characters that we see just enough of, but there is actually quite a lot to talk about these characters themselves. We're talking about uh, Miyako Ishida, a.k.a. Uh, Shoya's mom, and Mio Miyoko. Miyoko. Mm -hmm. Ah, damn it, I spelled that wrong. Okay. <clears throat> Starting that over. Miyoko. Okay, are there actually two characters named Miyoko? There are two characters named Miyoko. Mm hmm. Wait, hang on, hang on. Let me check something. Behind the floor. Ah, damn it. Do, 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 do. Behind the voice. Because I. No, 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 wait. Miyako is uh, the mom. Miyoko okay. is the tall girl. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, the fact that there's so... The names are so similar, it bugs me so much. It reminds me of Tomoya and Tomoyo from Clanad, which is also a tear jerker, by the mm -hmm. way. <clears throat> Sorry, you again. say Tomoyo, I say Tomayo. Let's call yeah. the whole thing off. You didn't even say it right. It's Tamoya and Tamoyo. Get it I right, don't scrub. Give a crap. <laughs> All right. So, Miyako Ishida is uh, Shoya's mother, and Yaiko Nishimiya is Shoko's mother. These are two, the the two single mothers of our leading protagonists for this film. Mm -hmm. Uh, Miyako runs a hair salon, and we don't know much about what, uh, Mrs. Nishimiya does, but we know she lives with her two kids and her grandma. Right. Yeah. So, playing these two women, uh, playing the part of Miyako, we have... Sarah Cravens, who has two credited roles. She has played the Child Emperor from One Punch Man and other best mom, Sachiko Fujinuma, 
from Erased. Mm-hmm. And playing Mrs. Nishimiya is Lipika Shaw, who has played such characters as Lala Soon from Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin and Coco from Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. So, Hardy, mm-hmm. what did you think of these performances and or even these characters? Because these are two very, very interesting characters to me. Did anyone else get slight erased flashbacks? You know, kind of, yeah. sort of, maybe. Not to the same extent, really, because Miss Nishimiya, while she is very cold and rather on the mean side, she isn't exactly abusive. Oh, um, I thought you were talking. Oh, I thought you were talking about. Uh, yeah, uh, Sarah. Craven's Sarah Craven's character. playing. Playing best mom in both shows. No, no, because while she is the best mom in both shows, both characters are very, very different. Um, I actually liked how Sarah got to sort of break out of her shell because her character in Erased was always very calm, cool, and collected and just really, you know, laid back and chill. Um, Miyoko is not so much. She is much more desperate and, you know, she's just doing her best and, and working hardest and, and just nothing's going right for her. And when she finds out that her son tries to kill herself, she pretty much understandably loses it and, uh, and sets his money on fire by accident. I, I adore the escalation in her voice in that scene. Just yeah. tell the escalation of that entire scene is so, powerful and then it the scene deflates by the money being set on fire that is the calm of this scene is 1.7 million yen is lit ablaze like my god and then she accidentally drops it into the hot pot and he tries to reach for it and burns his hands such a good scene. And then Maria. Blessed Maria. She is... Also, by the way, I for the longest time, I could not tell if Maria was her mom's... Like, actually, here's the thing. They talk about his sister a lot. And for the longest time, I was trying to figure out, is that his mom or is that his sister? Like, what's the deal with that? Yeah, his sister is never seen, ever. His, his sister shows up. She speaks a couple of times, but we never see her face. Uh, mm-hmm. Sister, by the way, is voiced by our lead director, Stephanie Shea. Mm-hmm. And her husband is... We're not bringing up these characters, and so there's not much to say. Her husband is Chris Jai Alex. Mm-hmm. Who, a very large Brazilian man. Was he Brazilian? Okay. He's Brazilian, yes. Okay, I was wondering what the nationality was. They mentioned he's like a soldier who's deployed. It's like, he's he's such a strange guy, but I'm sure he's just super sweet. And mm-hmm. Maria's just the cutest. But anyways, going back to my main uh, topic. I is apologize that, yeah. for interrupting you, sorry. Right. No, um, yeah, I liked both of these performances as the polar opposite moms uh, who start out hating each other gradually through the interactions of their kids develop a more an understanding between the two um sarah cravens is very delightful to listen to as the sort of more energetic mom 
Uh, Lipica Shaw doesn't really say much. She is very much more reserved, and yet near the end when things start to happen and she realizes um, how worse, much worse things could get, you definitely see an emotional breakthrough um, at the end of it. And she sort of comes out of this shell. Uh, that's really nice to listen to. So yeah, I think they both did a good job. All right. Uh, Miyako, uh, straight up, I love the voice that Sarah Cravens gives her. It's this, like, authoritative, like, husky, but also kind of, like, it's, like, youthful, but you can tell this is somebody who is gotten a little bit older. And I think the fact that she makes it sound natural is so good. The scene with, like, the breakfast and the money is, like, her clear standout and just the gradual escalation of that scene is so, so impressive. How you can tell she's just being casual, laid back. Like, why did you try to kill yourself? And then she's just screaming, yelling at him. Like, how could you do that? And, like, she's heartbroken. Mm-hmm. And she's, like... Because you know... The... Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I was, I was kind of done. I kind of want to hear what you say. I mean, the reason it hits so hard and it sounds so natural is because you know good and well if it was your or my mom who found out that they'd probably do the same, to be perfectly honest. It's, it, it's, yeah, it's heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I I really like her performance. I want to hear her in more things. This is, this is a side I really mm-hmm. want to hear Sarah in a lot more things. She's good moms. And also... Mm-hmm. I find it interesting you mentioned the Erase comparison in regards to uh, Yaiko. I will argue that in a couple of ways for a reason. I get why you're going there. I get why you thought that. Mm -hmm. She is very different than that character in Erased. Because that character in Erased is much more... She is negligent and she is straight up a bad parent. Mm Mm-hmm. Yaiko, I will not say, is a bad parent. She is a strict parent. She is stern. She is cold. And she sometimes, like, is not the warmest person to be around. She will go to bat for her kids any day. Any fucking day. You are- And she will not take anyone's shit. When she rips the earring out from uh, Miyako as Mm -hmm. compensation for all of the broken, broken hearing aids. When she slaps him after all these years. When she goes for the kill on Naoko. She goes for the kill. She's attacking her little girl. She was ready to kill, and that is one of the most satisfying slaps. She... She loves her kids. Right, right. She loves her family. And... Here's the thing. I'll say this. This is... I get at least one freebie in the manga thing for this episode, and I'm going to use it now. And I will not use it for any other time in the thing aside from in passing. 
I have a lot of respect for this particular character because they straight up show in the manga. You notice the fact that Shoko doesn't have a dad? There's a reason Shoko doesn't have a dad. Shoko's dad is kind of an asshole. Straight up, they pulled the card of... They pulled jeans. They're like, our family line is perfect. Yours must be tainted to have a broken kid. We don't want any part of that. Like, his whole family's talking, and they leave her to be. They leave her... her he leaves her life forever because they see Shoko as broken. And all the while, she was pregnant with Yuzuru after he mm. left her. I see how she got to be in the situation where she is, but she is a fascinating character. And I haven't talked a lot about her performance, but... Lipica is so naturally cold, and when she bows, when she gets on her hands and knees to apologize, it is a big, big moment for her character. And just both of these parents are fascinating people to me. Mm -hmm. They are unconventional families, but they are important families, and that... Uh, there's a lot to say, but we need to we need to move. I've, point is, Lipica and Sarah, you did fantastic jobs mm -hmm. all around. Now, uh, moving on to our next set of characters, we have Satoshi Mashiba and Miki Kawai, aka Sato aka Two Face and Nothing Boy. Okay, I'll also say, yeah, yeah, of course, he gets a chapter or two in the manga. He He's there to be... Like, he's a cool guy. He, he, he very much doesn't get much to do. And Miki is... Yeah, you're right. She is very, very two-faced. And playing the part of both these characters are actors who are no stranger to dub talk. Uh, playing the role of Satoshi Mashiba is Max Middleman, who you've heard play such characters as Eo Fleming from Mobile Suit Gundam Thunderbolt Sky, Konohamaru Sarutobi from Boruto Naruto the Movie, Kira Yamato from the NYAV post-dub of Mobile Suit Gundam C, and, similar in subject material, Kosei Arima from Yorolai in April. And... Miki Kawai is voiced by Amber Lee Connors, who has played such characters as Katoli, Nota, Senrioris from World End, Rio Rollins from Rio Rainbow Gate, Mai Kawakami from Myriad Colors Phantom World, and Mei Aihara from Citrus. Also, as a aside, uh, the child actor of Miki is played by Annabelle. Corigliano, I think I pronounced that right. All right, Hardy, mm -hmm. what'd you think? Um, I wish I could say comment more on Max because he is a, a very great actor. Um, it's just that Satoshi really doesn't do much in this film. I know that his role in the manga is a bit more fleshed out, but uh, in the movie, this is one of the move. This is one of the genuine faults a few genuine faults I can say about the film is that he just sort of appears and he doesn't really do much. He has a bit of an argument with, uh, with, uh, Shoya near 
near the middle point. But then, I mean, he doesn't really have any anything to do. Um, he just kind of shows up. He he's, and I he's, think he's a pretty face. He's a pretty face, yeah. And that's really all I can say. No detriment to Max's performance. He did fine, but he has so few lines as a character that you really can't say too much about it. As far as um, as uh, Amber Lee Connors as Nikki is concerned, um, I've sort of had mixed feelings about Amber for a long time. Um, I think she can be rather flat, but here she is a whole lot better in the scenes to where she needs to be emotional. Um, and yeah, especially during the scenes where she, she is two faced and she says, Oh, I never did that. And, and she lies to protect herself and her reputation. Um, yeah, it's just, it definitely works there. And you, it, when she does come back and is genuinely remorseful, then you can definitely tell that there's a different sound of the voice. And, and yeah, I think it was fine. I think it was great. I also am ashamed. I don't have much to say about Satoshi, but Max Middleman has a real good voice and he's really good at the things he does. I'll just say I really liked... Um, one of his lines that he says where it's like, I, I just like the way he delivered it. It's a tense moment, but it's like the way he says, you'd have to be a major douchebag to try and bully a deaf kid is, I just like the way that line came out, but it's also very much a poignant, oh shit, yeah. He's right. You you kind of have to be a douchebag to do that. And oh. mm -hmm. the kids in this, here's the thing. Kids can be sweet precious adorable little things they're also kind of assholes oh yeah very much so this movie like you could argue a lot of things about what the beginning portion of this movie is is trying to comment on in regards to like school society and in regards to how disability was viewed in japan apparently it actually wasn't even like Steps weren't even, like, recognized to, like, implement it or recognize it as, like, a disabilities in Japanese schools until, like, the past couple of years. And there was a whole thing about getting this book banned because it portrayed schools negatively. That was a thing, apparently. I really? Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, I can kind of believe it because the way it sort of shows the light of the teachers and the kids, it's like, yeah kids are kind of assholes and the teachers sort of let it happen and they all ganged up on a they all kind of ganged up and were like this one kid is the sole proprietor of this none of us ever did anything wrong in our life and one of those children is miki because miki is she is a sweet young little thing but she also likes to play the moral high ground card and ignore the fact that she also has a bit of dirt on her. Mm -hmm. She has a bit of dirt on her hands too. Uh, I also thought Annabelle did a real good job as her kid voice, but most of this is going to be on Amber Lee. She's got this really good, sweet, sincere voice. She's very cool. And I also kind of like the way she get she changes her demeanor when she's getting very 
clearly flirty and casual about the fact that, like, oh, I changed my hair because I thought it was time to make a thing, to which is like, oh, do girls change their hair to get attention from guys? Is that a thing that happens? Where it's like, oh, yeah, get it through your head, you fucking idiot. <laughs> but, yeah, she's very much two-faced, and I actually really like the freak-out scene where she's like, how dare you, how dare you accuse me, and... One of the few times I ever agree with Naoko, where it's like, you're kind of full of shit. You kind of blew this thing out of proportion due to your own insecurities and doubts about the fact that you don't think you ever did anything wrong. But I really do find her character pretty interesting. And I, I think it's kind of bold to be like, this is a very pretty young person, but they're also kind of shitty too. Yeah. Bold move, and I think Amber Lee does a good job portraying both, like, the the cool sweetness to her, as well as also, like, the guilt-ridden, like, freak-out moment. I thought that was stellar. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, the words pretty and shitty both rhyme, so... Pretty and shitty. Mm -hmm. Speaking of which... Oh, boy! <laughs> Here we go. Let's... Talk, Naoko Ueno. Oh, okay. I should also mention uh, the less shitty person, who is actually a very sweet young thing, Miyoko Saihara as well. They both go to the same school oh, after high school. Miyoko was kind of the meek odd girl out who actually tried to make an effort to get to know and understand Shoko better. And Naoko called her a goody little two-shoes and made fun of everybody and everything. And out of everybody post-high school, she's the one that kind of most resembles her shittier younger self. Yeah, but she doesn't, she doesn't even try to hide it. She's not, she, not two-faced like Miki is. She is straight-up bitch. I actually find that a fascinating contrast. The fact that, like... Miki tries to hide that and like Naoko's entire thing is she doesn't want to hide how she feels or who she is and I mean if you if you think about it between the three t the all three of the girls they all have different ways of coping with problems they all have ways of coping oh I can't speak to it they all three of them have a different way of coping with problems uh, with Miki, she tries to hide it. Miyoko runs from it. Naoko charges head on. I, I'd, I'd say that Miki's more like shift the blame, but I, I agree that as with the other two completely. I think that's a solid way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, playing the parts of Miyoko Saihara is Melissa Hope, who has played characters such as Ursula in Pokemon Diamond and Pearl as well as Alina and Melfa in the Queen's Blade series. Uh, also playing her child self is Katie Harvey. Playing the ever-so-wonderful Naoko Ueno is Kira Buckland, who you've heard play such characters as Im I blah, blah, blah. play such characters as Izumo Kamaki from Blue Exorcist, Umi Sonoda from Love Live, Kuroyuki Hime from Excel World and Sonika from Blame. Playing her child self is Gia Gia Grace. I think it's Gia. Anyways. Um 
Hardy. Mm-hmm. I want to hear what you think about these two specifically. Yeah. Um, well, Miyoko is a sweet little cinnamon roll who prefers to run from her problems instead of uh, challenging them. And um, I think the way that... I'm not really familiar with Melissa Hope's body of work because I don't watch King's Blade. <clears throat> um, but uh, she sounded a bit flighty. And I think all things considered, co considering that the character is very unconfrontational, uh, it works. Um, but, uh, but boy... Kira Buckland as Ueno. Wow, dude. Yeah. Just wow. I mean, she does not give a crap, and she'll let you know it. And this is some of, probably some of the, what's the word? Um, most darkest. technically yeah, darkest and yet technically impressive voice acting I've heard from Kira Buckland. Just, it sounds natural. It sounds visceral. It sounds like this girl will chew your head off at any given moment. And because she can do it both. She could do the dark and menacing, like in the scene with the, uh, the, the, um, Oh, oh, what is that ride called? Uh, the roller coaster? Not the roller coaster. The Ferris wheel. Oh, the Ferris wheel. Oh, God. That the scene. Ferris wheel scene. Uh, I mean, in fact, that's probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie because you can see her do sort of the disingenuous sweetness earlier. Like when she's trying to get on the bike and try to take Shoko's hearing aid again. And you can also see some of the more visceral just anger near the end, near the fight at the hospital. But it's that middle scene right there in the Ferris wheel that is by far the most impressive. Because that's just, that's sheer unbridled viscera right there. That's just, that's just like, you know what, I could choke you right now and you couldn't do a thing to stop me. So, are we agreed? And just like, yeah, that that right there was was just phenomenal. Oh god, it's it's something, all right. Oh boy. I find it funny that you mentioned flighty for Miyoko cuz that was the exact first thing I thought is that she sounded flighty but very very earnest and sincere. And she is such a such a sweetie. She is like she is very tall, lanky, and she has freckles. But she is she is so very good. She sounds like she sounds almost a little stilted. But that's not like a a, a fault of the the acting at all. I almost feel like the stiltedness is like a sense of awkwardness for this character. You think it's intentional? It felt very, like, she seemed like somebody who has had trouble dealing with a lot of insecurities and bullying her throughout her life. And it seems like it's just kind of her natural tone. And it just, 
it wasn't something that I thought, oh, the actor is doing wrong sounding like... I'm not even sure if it's stilted. I think it's just much more reserved and closed off. I think it's just the way she delivers herself. But I also kind of love, like, the scene with her on the roller coaster. Because the whole thing is that she was always too afraid of things. And she decided, like, she was afraid before the ride. And she decided, I'm going to wait till after the ride to be scared or not, which is both a fascinating trait about how she's grown, but also a contradiction to how she avoids things and how it's like she wants to not be scared and the, the length she goes to do that. I think Melissa Hope does a really good job making this character come to life, and I really very much enjoy her. Fucking Kira <laughs> Buckland, though. Jesus Christ! This is probably like... Like, here's the thing. Kira Buckland, I don't think, is a stranger to characters that are like... It's not like I like you or anything, baka types. Yeah. But but this is, this is not even a baka type. This is straight up a... I fucking hate you. I hate what you did. I'm gonna let you know that I hate you. It's genuine malice. It's malice. And, like, she does play this act for a little bit, like, when she's around Shoya. Because it's clear, like, she she likes Shoya, and it's something that, like, she always felt bad that things kind of fell out, and she wasn't really able to stick out with him when everybody else abandoned him and kind of, like, pointed fingers at him. Like, she was the most reserved while everybody else, even his closest friends at the time, were like, oh yeah, he bullied Shoko. But fucking... God, Kira, she sounds, like, mocking condescendingly, but casual, feisty, bratty. And she she mixes both being really fake at the start to being too real. Too real to the point where it is, like, she is just deadly spewing venom and i find that interesting about her character is that she is this like angry person who is honest about how angry she is and that's interesting mm. and god the scene at, at the hospital with she her, picks a she, fight with her mom she's like she's beating on shoko because she is explosively angry i have never i don't think i've actually ever heard kira scream and like be that angry and also just the fact that she's so angry she starts fighting the mom too god man like also there's something i missed when i was reading when i was watching this again recently is that she straight up says you need to watch your kids better otherwise you should stop breeding i'm like holy fuck oh girl she is Dangerous, violent, vile. But this movie does some like here's the thing that I find fascinating. She does care about Show Shoya. Mm -hmm. She very much like does care, and she fails, but she tries to actually reunite with it with one of his friends, and she's trying to make amends for things. Like she locks herself in his hospital room when he's in a coma and she visits him every single day 
And that's really interesting. But I think the most telling scene about the fact that she is working hard to improve, she says to Shoko, she sign languages Shoko and calls her a moron. That moment says so little and says so much about the fact that this vile person who was so angry and bitter is still working to like understand her and change her, her. and that's really fascinating i think that's, that's the case with the entire cast almost is that everyone has deep-seated issues that they're all genuinely trying to work on and more um, thoughts on that for my final thoughts i'll right. say that much yeah that said this is probably like the most and probably best dramatic role I think I've ever heard from Kira Buckland, period. I have to agree, yeah. Now, now's the part where we move on to, I think, two of my favorite characters in this movie. Tomohiro Nagatsuka and Yuzuru Ni... Ah, damn it, I got I Nishimiya. I, Nishimiya, I was trying to remember the name from memory and that failed. Yuzuru Nishimiya, you know, her boyfriend turned sister, and Tomohiro Nagatsuka, who is, he's a very, very good boy. You know what I call him? Because Tomohiro Nagatsuka is a very tricky name. You want to know what I've been calling him, Hardy? Would you like to know? Yes, I would like to know. The better Mineta. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. He... Everything about his hair and the fact that he's, like, shorter than everybody else, all I can think of is the shitty little great boy Minoru Mineta from My Hero Academia. It just... Unlike that little pervy little shit stain, Tomohiro is such a very sweet, kind boy, and I want to hug him. Every time he's there, I want to hug him, and he's just... A very, very, very good friend. And Yuzuru is a really, 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 really good sister. More onto those characters once we discuss them. But first, let's go into who's playing them. Playing the role of the better Mineta is Graham Halstead, who has played such characters as Kenji Seki from Psychic School Wars, Shinji Weber from Yu-Gi-Oh! Arc V, and Locke from Pokemon X, Y, and Z. And playing the role of Yuzuru is Kristen Sullivan, who does not have any credited voice roles. This, as far as I know, is her first voice role. Okay, her first feature role. I don't know about commercials or other things. This is the first one of her, her playing a title character that I know of. Mm-hmm. Now, Hardy. Yes. Would you like to tell me what you think of the both of them? Uh, You know what I have to say about Nagatsuka? What do you have to say about Nagatsuka? There is a certain type of character that you cannot really describe as a sweet cinnamon roll. You have to go one step beyond. I believe Nagatsuka has reached the point where he has, you can call him, a sweet little meatloaf too pure for this world. Ah! <laughs> He's my little meatloaf. <laughs> but 
but yeah, he is he is the best boy, and I think unlike all the other characters who are dealing with serious issues, I, I think he has his is that he's never really had a friend. And so when show uh shows him even the slightest bit of kindness, he latches on like a uh, like a like a um like a sticky ball, if you will. Like a sticky ball, yeah. Like a, like a chihuahua on a leg. Um, <laughs> no, goddamn it, you're right. <laughs> and while I'm not really familiar with Graham Halstead's other work, I do like how Nagatsuka could very easily come across as annoying, and I think he does to the other characters in the movie. But to us as the viewing public... Just his genuine sincerity of wanting to be Shoya's friend is really, really touching and endearing. And I could really, I think that really came out in Graham's performance. Now, the story with Yuzuru is that she starts out very antagonistic towards Shoya because she still blames him for the punishment that, for bullying her sister. Uh, okay. Um,. But as she warms up to him slowly over time, uh, you genuinely get to see Yuzuru crum crack out of her shell because she was beat up and bullied as well. And once again, Shoya comes in and shows her genuine kindness for once. And uh, you can see her sort of go from this, this really tomboyish character uh, into really breaking out into her own being able to you know see who she really is embrace herself for who she really is and um yeah just just that metamorphosis that she goes through over the course of the film uh is really really interesting to watch and i really enjoy uh i i'm not familiar with Kristen's work obviously as this is her first role but i think she did the voice real well and honestly i would not have I honestly was rather surprised that Yuzuru turned out to be female to begin with, because I could completely buy Kristen's voice as voicing Yuzuru as a boy. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, as for uh, Nagatsuka Mineta, <laughs> I, can't, I can't get over that. It's just, it's so funny to me, but... He is my meatloaf, he is my cinnamon roll, and he is not a disgusting, pervy great boy. This character is interesting to me because it feels like it could have been very easy to make him, like, overtly whiny or annoying, but sounds he sounds very sincere, and, like, yet he's a bit of a pushover. He's, like, a very awkward person sometimes, but he, when he gets, like, the friendship going, he's very excitable. He's emotional. He's very sweet and dorky. God. You want to know my fucking favorite, like, dorky scene with him and, like, Shoya? It's when the restaurant. It's the freaking mall food court. And he... Where he's <laughs> yeah. smoking the French fry and... <laughs> This is how I know this man is a New York actor. Is that he just goes straight up mobster and goes, Hey, Yasho, give me your hand, okay? Now you and I... Now you, uh, I gotta do this right. <clears throat> hey, Yasho, 
give me your hand, Kay. And they do this, like, friendship thing. Now, you and I is friendship. Friendship don't gotta do with no rules or qualifications. It's about bonds. Capiche? The, just, just, like, there's so many things in the writing and mannerisms that with... Man, with I oh got I actually just almost <laughs> called it Mineta. Fuck. <laughs> Bad Andrew. I'll call him C- Cinnamon Mineta. But call it uh, meatloaf. The thing I lo- meatloaf Mineta. Uh, there's so many different types of Minetas that are better than the great mo- that are better than the great boy Mineta. Meat Netta. Ew. That, now that one just sounds gross. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not even mad. It's just. Like, I think meet, meet Netta, and I think, oh, that's going some weird places. Okay, back on track. Uh, I love that dorky exchange with them, and it says so much about... It's such a touching scene, but it's also funny. I adore the fact that, like, Graham's delivery changes for that. And, like, I just love the delivery. He He's a comic relief character in a series that needs it, but it also could have been, like, annoyingly distracting if they didn't know how to work it right. They know how to work it right. And this is where I can tell they had a lot of fun with the New York side of this, because they, they were like, Hey, yo, it's my homeboy, Yasho. Take good care of him. Let me spot you some cash so you can get go there. You know, let's go to, go to the cafes, restaurants, love hotels. I ain't <laughs> judging, homie. Like, it's, he's, he's so good, but, and at the end where they're hugging, and I love his dumb mustache and, like, the emotional reunion, and, oh, God, he's so good, and Yuzuru. Uh, uh, Graham, I haven't heard your work much. I, I need to hear more of it because, goddamn, you are so good as this character. Yuzuru. I know nothing of Kristen. I'm a fan immediately. She is convincingly like tomboy and rough enough to pull the ambiguity of this character off. Like, I also love like one of her lines with uh, Nagatsuka. A shitty ta- stalker has his own shitty stalker, so you're both full of shit. <laughs> like, this kid has a potty mouth and they know how to use it. But they're bratty and amusing, but also kind of like cold and complicated also laughs like she is she is his biggest she is both of their biggest supporters and i love how she gradually grows and like regrets the things she does and this is a very provocative character and one of the things that's kind of subtle that is shown throughout the entirety of like her household and her shtick she starts taking those pictures of dead things. Like, she straight up starts taking pictures of dead things. And yeah. the reason she does that... Yeah, well, you think at first it's just because she's weird and she's going through, like, a gothic phase. You, you think it's just, like, a very artistic phase. Yeah. Like, like she's just being morbid and, 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 um, and, you know, just a weird kid. Like, I don't care about flowers. I want to photograph dead things. But... There's a reason for that. And the reason being is that... She she knew, like, early on her sister was having, like, regrets and was contemplating killing herself. And she thought photographing death and showing her what it looked like would 
convince her that she wouldn't want to do that. And that is, like, heartbreaking, but really, really poignant. And her character is so fascinating and supportive, and she's a really complicated character, and I'm kind of think she's one of the most interesting ones in this story. In a story already full of complex character, I think she is probably one of the strongest. And Kristen, you sold this character. Like, man, you got a career ahead of you, kid. Whether it's voice work, whether it's movies, whether it's TV. You got skills, and you broke my heart. And, I'll, and good job. Now, it's time for our main characters. That's right. We're talking about Shoko Nishimiya and Shoya Ishida. These, let's just get into who plays them because we got a lot. To, I, we got a lot to say and only so much time to say it. Playing the part of Shoya is Robbie Damon. Robbie Damon, who's played such characters as Mitsuki from Boruto Naruto the Movie, Tuxedo Mask from Sailor Moon R, Is Issei Ryudo from Fate Stay Night, Heaven's Feel 1, Presage Flower, say that five times fast, and Crollo Lucifer from Hunter Hunter Phantom Rogue. Also playing the child version of Robbie is Ryan Shanahan, whose other voice role consists of Chow Ming from Mobile Suit Gundam Thunderbolt Bandit Flower. And playing the part of Shoko Nishimiya is Lexi Marmon Cowden. The interesting thing about uh, Lexi, she is deaf. She is a deaf actress who has not done any voice roles, but she has been on such shows and movies like Without a Trace, Coda, The Hammer, and I think she was a deaf choir teacher in Glee. Wow. Let's not waste any time. Hardy. Oh boy, who do I start with? Um... Your call. <laughs> I'm just going to come out and say it. Robbie's performance, um, I sat through the entire movie without shedding a single tear in the theater. I left the movie. Actually, I didn't leave the movie. I sat through the entire credits in the chair until it was time to go. And even then, I sat there for about a minute or so just to let it all absorb then when I got up, I walked to my car, and that's when it hit me. That's when everything came out. And just the scenes in particular were the big Shoko scream at the scene at the very end, when all the X's fall off. I don't really think I need to describe this performance. It's, it, it touched me in ways I did not think were possible. And I related to it <laughs> so 
so much because I've gone through a lot of what he had gone through in the past. And so I'm not going to break this down. I'm just going to say that that was one of the single most powerful performances for Robbie Damon I've ever heard. Um, uh, now that that's over, <clears throat> let me, Oh, sorry. I'm breaking. Take a second to collect. I do not blame you. Take a second to collect yourself. If you gotta. Okay. Um, as for Shoko, I have never heard of anyone doing this before because the voice acting is different from regular acting in that regular acting has much more of a visual cue to it that voice acting really doesn't have. And it's difficult enough of a job already for someone who has all five senses to go out and do an amazing vocal performance. The fact that they were able to find an actress to bring in, to work with, because it's not like you can go into the vocal booth and put the headphones on. That doesn't work in this case. Um, the fact that they were willing to put forth so much time and effort to work with an actual deaf actress in order to make it sound authentic as possible, it speaks a whole lot to the hard work and efforts of the directorial uh, crew and also to Lexi herself as an actress. I will say this. Shoko does not sound appealing. It's that's the point. She's not supposed to. Deaf people do not sound legible or intelligible most of the time. And that's the point. It sounds real. It sounds authentic. It sounds true to life. And the fact that they were able to pull out such a authentic sounding performance for this dub, I, I'd honestly call it a miracle. Honestly. Um, Lexi just, she nails the part. It's, it's amazing. It's one of a kind. And unless there is another movie like this, I don't see this ever happening again. This is lightning in a bottle. If I had to describe it, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. I am floored. Really. Continuing off some of your thoughts in regards to Shoko. I actually found it kind of interesting watching this again. I could kind of hear she did sound much like... Because she played both the young and old Shoko. And mm. the fact that like she sounds much notably like higher pitched as a kid is interesting. And then like when she is a teenager, she sounds like much like calmer and quieter. Maybe more so that she's gotten like use more used or accustomed to like her voice presentation. And mm -hmm. but she's a really fascinating really powerful character and just the i like that like she works her hardest to communicate with others be it like writing be it text be it even communicating like her own confession to uh like to 
here, here's the thing. I, I think we the Suki Suki thing maybe doesn't work as much as like it does in English, but I think the point of that scene is still very much intact. Right. She wants to convey her feelings on his level, and the struggle, the struggle of doing so, to, to like make that apparent is real and like the fact that he couldn't understand her is very real and i i find that very fascinating and powerful like she she has so many different emotions like she is friendly and kind but she could also be like aggressive and rough and when she is sad and like screaming god she does such a such a good job like the fight at the school at the beginning the fight, the school, the beginning, the fight with Naoko, just the scene of the, 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 the that bridge. scene, yeah. Oh God, it's so good, it's so good. But yeah, Lexi is a does a stellar job, and I think the decision was a bold one, and I think it's a damn one that damn well paid off. Show you. My God, show ya. This is a character that when you start this movie, you don't ever want to say you are like this kid. You don't ever want to think you could never do that. I could never do that to anybody. I would never be that mean, that rude, that harsh. And then the story changes. To where he is the one who is singled out. He is the one who is becomes the victim. Because they think we we feel bad now that we bullied this a disability girl. We can feel good if we blame this one kid and like bully him now, right? That's how it works, right? And the children don't get that. And the school doesn't do any problems to do that and you see what leads this kid to this path and it is a hard hard fought struggle this is one of the greatest performances i've ever heard of robbie damon like there's a lot to go into every single emotion that he is like stilted awkward unsure of himself when he's stepping on himself and he spends the entire time trying to make up for what he's done. Th that he considered suicide to make amends for what he's done. That he, like, goes to Shoko to make amends for what he did, not realizing he could have a chance to actually be friends with her again. That he has a chance to rekindle friendships. That he has a chance to amend these friendships. And it's such a hard-fought internal struggle with him. When the scene at the amusement park happens, he's so, like, in that world where he's so convinced that he is a bad person, a terrible person that deserves everything that comes to him. And for a moment, he's hesitant, like, am I allowed? Is this okay? Am I allowed to have this much fun? Do I deserve it, basically? is such a hard thing to convey 
and god everything like when he's like genuinely happy when he's fake like you know when the scene at the bridge happens he's not even like angry at that point he's flustered and he's feeling sick and he's he's so tired when he lashes at everybody he's not angry he's just tired and so done with it all like afraid that he's done it again and that he's done it again that he's trying to like keep on to what he's done with shoko and like there's this amazing scene where he is basically crying to himself singing in the morning like i can feel like i hear robbie's performance just breaking down and then immediately the next scene after is that he's just like hey shoko how you doing everything's great i'm having a good time and he's just putting on this act for the sake of others and god the scene at the house there's everything the starting tomorrow repetition like starting tomorrow i will look everybody in the face starting tomorrow i will apologize to her starting tomorrow i will be better if i can save her life god i'm not even gonna pretend like i don't have tears in my eyes god god uh, you need a minute like i i could go on there's a lot of great lines that he says there's a lot of great moments like i could mention like the the fact that he says that he's a horrible person and he thinks the world would be better off but in the end when he's just praying to dear god that shoko that he he'll save her life in exchange like he himself he's so cold and tired but oh god there's so much i want to say that there's not enough time in the world this is a character that is so a film I, i'll go more into my final thoughts for the film but robbie damon makes this character like this was already a stellar character but robbie damon this is like oh my god man this is amazing thank you so hardy Let's yeah. Go into our let's go into our final thoughts. Yeah, it's Down a the movie. It's pretty good. It's not bad. Yeah, that's the understatement of the world right there. That is so much of a goddamn understatement. No, it's here's the controversial opinion. Uh last year? No, not last year, but the year. Where was it last year? Oh, I see where you're going with yeah. this. Oh, boy. There was one movie <laughs> last year that everyone got all crazy about. And it was your name. And your name is a fine film. It is deserving of any and all praise it has ever gotten. I enjoyed your name. I bought the limited edition of your name. I still enjoy it to this day it did not give me nearly as much joy or feeling or emotion that a silent voice did i know some people like to compare the two films and obvious and honestly when they compare them your name usually wins out 
but I think, in my personal opinion, this is the superior film because it touched me and my life and related to me so much more than anything else. And I'm going to make this statement, and I don't mean it as a stupid pun. You're probably going to roll your eyes and, and shake your heads, but... And I apologize. This is one of the few times I actually do apologize for something. A silent voice really spoke to me. It really, really did. I'm not even mad. Yeah. I'm not even mad. I'm not even groaning. I think that's very, very fair. I could go a lot into this story. I could say a lot about the dub. I could say a lot about this characters in this final thoughts. I'm going to say a very simple thing because I feel there is a single line in this movie that says a very important message that I feel this entire story is about. One that is not so easy to swallow, one that's always difficult to reach, but I think this is exactly what this story is trying to... basically the summary or the, the thesis statement, if you will. There's a single line that Soko... There's a single line that Shoko says to Miyoko once she is reuniting everybody else and trying to make amends for what she feels she broke. She says to her, after she's afraid that, like, I'm not the same person I've always been, Shoko says to her, you can change. Start now. It's not too late. Everything clicked for me in that one moment. That this entire master plan of what this movie, this story is is going into. There's a lot of things it covers about friendship, disability, sadness, depression, and so many of these raw and powerful subject matters. But I feel in the end, a silent voice as a whole is a redemption arc. It's a journey of someone who feels like they've done so much wrong. It's a journey of so many people who feel they've done so much wrong and are so stuck in who they are, afraid of what they are and what they've done, that they think they can't escape it. But work, effort, will, we can be better people. We just have to start. The, the, the decisions and regrets we have the scars will remain, but you can still work to be a better person. It's never too late. Stub is incredible. Stephanie Shea, Amanda Wynn Lee, Mike Sander Nicholas, everybody at NYAV Post, this entire cast and crew. This is stellar. This is stupendous, and it reached and moved me so. Mm -hmm. This is a great movie already, and the dub adds so much to it, and it's a already a beautiful powerful moving film that every person deserves to see god damn it give us a fucking blu-ray already 
For God's sake, whoever it is releasing this, I have the money in change. I have the money right here. Hang on, hold on. Oh Lord, he's actually going to get his wallet. You hear that? <laughs> is that your piggy bank? That's my fucking piggy bank. You hear that? <laughs> you hear that? This could be yours, people. <laughs> this could be yours. Just, just, just 30, there's probably at least 30, 40 bucks in there. All of that is about amount about how much a movie on Blu-ray would be. Mm -hmm. Just please, for the love of God, it's the money is sitting right there. It's for you. I'll give it to you. Just please, 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 please give me a Blu-ray. Mm -hmm. And for all of you out there, I know this is a, there is a UK release of this movie it is available on uk blu-ray and dvd from all the but anime from all the anime but of course to be a u.s watcher you would need a region player blu-ray if you want to go through that effort i totally recommend doing that if you do have like a region three player and want to import it i don't object to that it's just it's hard to say watch this movie when there's not so easy avenues to reach it like i've seen i've seen the movie in theaters and i watched it like at a friend's house who already had it but let me just say on the day on the avenue when this gets a blu-ray release i'm gonna shill it as hard as i fucking can he will and, do it i've seen him oh boy you've seen me and with that i think it's time mm -hmm. we call it a night uh to if you like the Dub Talk podcast, you can follow us on YouTube at Dub Talk Podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe, and the like. You can also follow us on our social medias, our Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Twitch channels alike. As for where you can find me, my name is is Classy Spartan, aka Mangaman Nine Thousand on Twitter, or Andrew, as I more regularly go by. I haven't said my name much in this episode. Now that I think about it, but my name's Andrew. Uh, I also do another podcast called uh, Podcast ONA on Surreal Resolution with uh, co-host Jet, where we talk about a lot of other anime news and the like. And I also am a moderator over on the Funimation forums and Discord. As for me, I'm Spaceman Hardy. You can find me on Twitter at Spaceman Hardy. And I also am a moderator over at Funimation's forums and Discord. If you'd like to come by and hang out with us, that'd be awesome. And now I think we can call it tonight. As I said before, it's it's sort of tricky to find this in the United States right now, but there is the all the anime uh, Blu-ray from the United Kingdom that is available if you have a region-free player and would like to import it the day that this gets a blu-ray though i'm telling you all go buy it go watch it this movie deserves your time attention and money mm -hmm. it's an important powerful movie honestly if you if you want to watch the movie dubbed if you want to watch, watch the movie subbed hell if you even want to go buy the manga this is just a very powerful story that i think deserves to be seen and with that out of the way, I think it's time we call it a night. Mm -hmm. I hope I'm Spaceman Hardy. And I'm Andrew Lefseltzer. And I hope our voices could reach you too. Otaku on, my friends. Otaku on, my friends. Otaku on, my friends.
道しるべ」